please be seated. We've been looking through here at Mosaic, we've been looking through the Gospel of Mark for the last, uh, well, I think we only started last week, actually. Um, I've been looking through the Gospel of Mark all my life, so um, it feels a lot longer than a week. We have been, uh, we have a lens through which we are looking um, at this account of Jesus' life and the hope is that as we do this we will be preparing um, for Easter. <clears throat> Easter is one of the, I guess, two celebrations that are really celebrated by the church all around the world. Um, Christmas and Easter, the birth of Christ and the death and resurrection of Christ. This is very significant and so we come up against it um, year after year. We come up hearing this story over and over again. And so the church likes to, or we here at Mosaic, we are saying we would like to prepare you to hear a story that is extraordinary once again. I know you know it. I know you've heard the Easter story before. Um, but we're not just wanting to hear it again. Uh, we are wanting to go deeper and experience the reality of the resurrection amongst us this coming Easter. So we're preparing to come up and hear this story again. Let me start with this reading. Um, today's, uh, today, uh, across Mosaic, we are um, looking at, at this particular passage from Mark chapter 5. And we are asking what the spirits see, okay? So we've been looking through this lens of how will we see Jesus afresh. And now we're looking at, we're asking how I see, um, how I see Jesus, how Jesus sees me. And, in, and included in that is this question of uh, Jesus' authority and how, does, how do the spirits see Jesus? Okay, let's have a read. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. Now this is Gentile territory, that tells us. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whatever he was put, whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. 
Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by, possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. I don't know how you feel about this particular topic or maybe even this particular reading. There's a little bit about it that's um, spooky, isn't there? That, uh, that this is um, a zone or a reality um, over which we don't always have a lot of experience and certainly don't always have a lot of understanding. Perhaps you identify with some of the villagers here um, in their attempts to get this man who behaves so strangely away from them. Perhaps you even identify with the people of the village as they see what Jesus has, has done and their response is fear. In a Western world, in the Western world, where we um, seem very quickly to go to explanations of things, this kind of story um, seems beyond us. How would we work out what's going on here? How would we put this into a scientific test tube and, and figure this out? In fact, that I think is part of the challenge of Jesus as presented in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus, on a number of occasions, in fact, I think this builds up throughout the Gospel of Mark, there are a number of occasions where Jesus does something and he demonstrates an authority over something. 
it starts very, very early. Let's think. Jesus comes into a synagogue in Mark chapter 1 and a man with an evil spirit is there and Jesus casts this spirit out and he demonstrates that he has authority. In fact, that's the people's response to what Jesus has done. Here is a teaching with authority. But before that and after that, Jesus has called people and they have responded. An authority over um, or an authority to invite people to uh, meet God in a new way and to learn from him. Of course, very famously, Jesus demonstrates an authority over disease and sickness. Each time he heals, each time someone is set free from that experience, he demonstrates that he is bigger than this. Of course, most controversially, Jesus goes into the synagogues and he begins to uh, heal on the Sabbath, to work on the Sabbath. And this is a claim that he has authority over the law. You can see why Jesus was uh, getting people offside, can't you? He was constantly saying and demonstrating that he was bigger than the problems or the challenges or even the solutions that we as people would offer. Of course, this um, authority over actually peaks right at the end of our Gospels, all four of them indeed. When Jesus dies and demonstrates that he has authority over death. This is, of course, a constant call for you and I to reconsider where we will put our trust. Will we put our trust in the law? Well, here is one who is bigger than that. Will we put our trust in our human religious teachers? Well, here is one who is bigger than that. Will we put our trust in what our doctors know and what our scientists can work out about the way the human being works and the world around us. Well, here is one who is bigger than that. And indeed, as our passage says today, will we put our trust in one who is bigger than the spiritual realm over which we have so little understanding? I wonder where you will put your trust. Because, of course, we know that each one of us will die. And here we have an encounter with God and the claim that he is even bigger than that. We've seen Jesus cast out spirits already in the Gospel of Mark, of course. But there's something of a a heaping of the challenges in this one, isn't there? He's on foreign land. 
So here is something of a claim that even Jesus' authority extends beyond the borders of Israel. Very deliberately, this story tells us that this is in foreign territory. Then as our story unfolds, we find pigs around here. We find uh, Jesus operating in at least the vicinity of uh, the caves where people have been buried, a, a grave site. We find a, a naked madman who has extraordinary strength, who no one has been able to subdue, and the solution is simply to keep him out. No one can fix this situation. And Jesus steps into this and is recognized by the spirits. Who are you to come here? What what are you here for? Will you torture us? Are you here to destroy us early? They recognize Jesus. And indeed, you would think from this very first encounter, this very first um, verbal encounter as, as this story unfolds, the spirits know this authority that rests in Jesus, don't they? On top of all this, as if to um, heap up this story and make it bigger and bigger and bigger, we discover that this man, unlike the first um, exorcism in the Gospel of Mark, this man has multiple spirits living in him. In fact, they describe themselves as legion or a legion, a gathering of, well, we would use that term in in terms of soldiers, wouldn't we? An army of spirits living in this man. This um, This is stacking up the odds, isn't it, against Jesus? It's a conscious stacking up of the odds as the storyteller tells it to us. And yet Jesus doesn't panic. He doesn't have to do anything dramatic. In fact, the negotiation is brought on by the spirits. We know you're going to send us out. Will you give us permission to go into these pigs? We don't want you to send us all the way out into the wilderness, but will you give us permission? It's another, that's language of authority, isn't it? Will you give us permission? And of course, Jesus says yes, and the havoc that must have been wreaked in this man's body and mind and soul is demonstrated as these 2,000 pigs hurtle themselves down the cliff and into the lake. I don't know what you make of a story like that. I can't figure it out. I don't um, find myself sitting down and and thinking exact that as a result of hearing this story, I understand exactly what's going on in the realm beyond what I can see. 
I feel, by a story like this called to humility before God and reminded that there is much more in this world than I have encountered. And it makes me deeply, deeply grateful that even in that ignorance, God has demonstrated that he is bigger. And I don't think the disciples in this, looking on to all of these happenings, feel any different. I think they could only respond in wonder that Jesus has an authority this big. One would think that people would respond very positively, wouldn't they, in this surrounding area of Decapolis. They've actually been trying to achieve everything that Jesus has achieved here. In this moment, all these chains, all this casting out, all of this attempt to subdue has really been to help this man and help their society. I suspect they have good motives. And Jesus has come and achieved all of this in one moment. And yet their response to the unknown, to something beyond their own strength, beyond their own understanding, is fear. And so we get what I think are one of the saddest sentences in all of Scripture. Their response to this miracle, this profound demonstration of the authority of God to set people free, their response to ask Jesus to leave. And the one with authority over everything obeys. He steps into the boat and the newly sane man comes and says, can I come? And almost as if Jesus knows, he says, no, go home. Tell your story. Tell what God has done. And see what happens from there. And we have a madman made into perhaps the very first evangelist. Certainly the very first evangelist who goes off into Gentile territory. Set free with only a story of what God has done. The mysteries still, still remain. All the uncertainty of that realm that we cannot see still is there. And yet he goes armed with just his testimony of what God has done. And the news spreads.
you know, I have some little bit of experience in this realm. I, I say that with kind of, I, I feel okay about that because we all have, maybe we feel we have a lot of experience in some areas, but in other areas of reality we might have a small bit of experience. So all of us are like that. All of us know something about some things and less about others. And this is, in all honesty, a realm of reality I haven't encountered regularly. And certainly I haven't been able to explain. But I want you to know this from this story. That Jesus has authority over the spirit world. He is bigger, he is stronger, and he knows what he is doing. In fact, that world asks permission from the Jesus you worship. And the response of fear is a denial of that authority. This is said in James as well, and it's quite a sobering little verse. James 2.19. You believe... That God is one. He's talking to the community he's writing to. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. He's actually talking about um, what it looks like to trust this one who has authority over everything. And it's not enough to believe and be fearful of Jesus, we are called to believe and trust. That's why Jesus talked faith all the time, isn't it? At least in part, because you and I couldn't see everything. And there is more going on in this world than you and I know. But know this, there is one above all. There is an authority bigger than the spirit realm. You and I haven't experienced it yet, but there is an authority bigger than death. There is an authority bigger than this Religious legalism, so many of us in this world are tempted to take on as a substitute for God. There is an authority bigger than the disease or the uncertainty that you and I will face as we go through the world. There is an authority that is bigger. Church of God, put your faith 
and your trust. Nowhere else. Nothing else is worthy of your trust. Amen.